wonderful word of the Lord. Today we are looking at the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs, chapter number 9. The book of Proverbs, chapter number 9. And verse number 9 this morning. Proverbs, chapter number 9. Verse 9. While you are turning there, I... Failed to mention there's a couple other winners yesterday in the golf tournament, and that is the longest drive contest, and I think that was Tim Blackwood back here, and closest to Penn was Adam Gonzalez. So these guys got some awards as well. Amen. Proverbs chapter number 9 this morning and verse number 9. The wisdom writer writes, and he says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be Still wiser, teach a just man and he will increase in learning. We're honoring our graduates today and we're going to be talking about 10 things they didn't teach you in school. Father, thank you for the word of God. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light and path. And Father, we just pray today that you will help us, enable us, empower us by your spirit, Lord, to deliver the word of God that you have laid upon our heart, we ask. Father, for your help today, in Jesus' name, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, today we have chosen to honor our graduates. I don't know, we have 10 or 11 in our church that we know of that have graduated from high school or from college. And so I want to speak directly to the graduates today, but what I have to say is good for all of us here today, and yet if the graduates will listen to what I've got to say and apply what I've got to say at their early age, their life could drastically be better. So this is not just for graduates today, it's for everybody, uh, but if they could get a hold of it at an early age, I think it could uh, be a tremendous blessing to them. Now let me just uh, say emphatically and up front uh, that, that school is great. School is great and I believe everybody needs to go to school and, and I thank God for every dedicated teacher. We've got several teachers in our congregation and we honor you today and we are grateful and thankful uh, for you and I believe in school, I believe in teachers. Remember that as we go through this this morning, all right. Although I believe in school, although I believe that everybody ought to go to school, yet how many understand that you can learn only so much in school and that your real education will take place after you get out of school? So I'm going to talk to you today about ten things that they didn't tell you in school or ten things they don't teach you in school. Now I need about two hours to share this, but I'm going to do my very best to do it in about 35 minutes, okay? So hang on, we're going to go quickly and we're going to go through these things real fast or we could take a couple of hours. The first thing this morning is simply what works in theory doesn't always work in reality. What works in theory doesn't always work in reality. Now there are a lot of things that sound really, really good in a book. They sound real good in a book. They look really, really good on a chart. Makes sense logically, but when you try and apply it, it just doesn't work like the book said it would. Do you know that architects can actually draw buildings that are impossible for a carpenter to build? A man went to a certain evangelism course and he was all excited he was going to be working in personal evangelism. 
After some time, he came back to his instructor. He was all depressed, and his instructor asked him, what's wrong? He said, it doesn't work. He said, what do you mean it doesn't work? He said, I've not found a sinner yet that knew his lines. See, the book says, if you'll say this, the sinner will say that, and then you can say this, and they will say that, and then you can say this, and they will say that. He said, I can't find a sinner that knows his lines. You see, what works in theory doesn't always work in reality. Here it is this morning. Be grateful for what you have learned, but be ready. Be ready. Oh, there are going to have to be some adjustments made along the way. Number two, this morning, you need more than a degree. You need more than a degree. Now, in America, we're taught that a degree is our ticket to success. Uh, you know, all you need is a degree, you get a degree, and you are set for life. Sorry. Not necessarily so. You need more than a degree. How many understand? You need some knowledge. <laughs> you need some knowledge. You know, there's a lot of students that have learned to play the game. Oh, they know how to take notes and they know how to take tests. But have they learned anything? Do they have any practical Knowledge. And what you really need is wisdom. What you really need is wisdom. Now, wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. You see, you can have a head full of knowledge, but do you know how to apply it? The wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 15 and 2, The tongue of the, of the wise uses, say uses. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge correctly. And in verse 7, he said, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge. So wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. The third thing they didn't teach you in school, and that is simply you seldom get rich working for somebody else. You seldom get rich working for somebody else. Now, you know, most people spend their entire working career putting money into somebody else's pocket. Now, I'm certainly not promoting the idea that you need to be rich, but I am saying that if you are going to be rich, it's probably not going to happen working for the other fellow. Did you hear about those three men that were slaving away down in that hole, and they were just working and sweating and working and sweating, and one of them looked up, and there was their boss just standing up there looking down into that hole watching them. And then he said to his friends, he said, why in the world are we doing all the work? All he ever does all day is watch. And he makes ten times more money than us. Others said, I don't know, won't you go ask him? So he climbs up out of the hole. He goes over to to his boss and he said, we want to know, how come we do all the work? All you do is stand around all day and watch us. And you make ten times more money than we do. He said, it's easy. He said, walk over here. He walked over by a tree, put his hand by the tree. And he said, now hit my hand. The guy said, I don't want to hit your hand, boss. He said, it's all right, rear back and just hit it, hit it as hard. As, I don't want to hit your hand. He said, rear back. So he reared back and he swung away and the, and the boss moved his hand and he smashed his fist into the tree. He said, and the boss said, that's intelligence. It's intelligence, that's it. So he climbs back into the, into the hole with his other buddies. And his other buddy said, did you find out how come we do all the work? All he ever does is stand around all day long, watch us do the work, and he makes ten times more money than we do. He said, yeah. I said, it's an account of intelligence. Other two guys says, what's that? He said, hit my hand. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's intelligence. Amen. Hey, let me tell you this morning, self-employment is not for everybody, and it certainly is not easy, but the fact remains, you seldom get rich working for somebody else. The fourth thing I want you to know this morning is get you a mentor. Get you a mentor. Find somebody who is succeeding in the area of your interest and study them. uh, If it's possible, develop a personal relationship with them. If it's not, then just simply observe them, watch them, see what they do and how they do things. If they've written books, buy them. And once you've bought them, read them. And once you've read them, apply what you have read. Amen. Elisha had Elijah. Timothy had Paul. The disciples had Jesus. Now, don't become a carbon copy of them. Don't copy them, but be yourself, but use their proven principles in your life. Proverbs 13 and 20 said, He who walks with wise men, he will be wise. I've told you many times I was married and pastoring a church at the age of 17. I wasn't exactly oozing with wisdom. So I quickly learned to borrow some From others who had it. The fifth thing they didn't teach you in school. Number five. We're doing this real quickly this morning. We'll get bogged down here in a minute. We're going through these pretty quick. Number five. Don't follow the crowd. You know, it seems today that we're taught to conform. I mean, play the game. Go along to get along. You know, go with the flow. Blend in with the crowd. There was a test conducted by a university where 10 students were placed in a room. And the instructor drew three lines through different, uh, uh, three lines of different lengths on, on, a, on a marker board. And the students were told to raise their hands when the teacher pointed to the longest line. But ahead of time, he had already talked to nine out of the ten, and he said, I don't want you to point to the longest line or raise your hand when I point to the longest line. I want you to uh, raise your hand when I point to the next to the longest line. So nine of them were cued ahead of time. One was the stooge. And so he gets up, the instructor, before the class, and he says, now we've got three lines here, and when I point to the longest line, I want you to raise your hand. And so he points to the longest line, and that one guy raises his hand. He's right. He's pointed to the longest line. He's done what he said he's supposed to do. He's right. He's correct. But three out of four times when they set this up, the man would raise his hand and look around and see that he was the only one with his hand up and he would put his hand back down. And then when the instructor would point to the next longest line, this man plus the other nine would raise their hand. Over and over and over And over again, they would rather be wrong with the crowd than right and all alone. My advice to you today is don't follow the crowd. Now the crowd goes to college for four or more years. The crowd goes to work for a major company. The crowd tries to climb the corporate ladder. Now, I'm not telling you not to do this. I'm not telling you not to go to to college. I'm not telling you not to go to work for a major company. I'm not telling you not to climb the corporate ladder. I'm telling you don't do it just because everybody else is doing it. It is right for a lot of people. It might even be right for the majority of people. It's right for some, but it is not right for all. Do what you do for you and nobody else. Let me tell you this morning, if you want a recipe for a miserable life, 
do what everybody else is doing. If you want a recipe for a miserable life, do what somebody else wants you to do. Never forget a young man in my church years ago. His daddy pushed him to go to a certain college and study a certain thing and become a certain profession. Pushed him. And he went. And he squeezed four years of college into six. And still didn't get a degree. And finally one day got the guts to sit down with his daddy and say, Daddy, I never wanted to do this. I only did this to try and please you. And he went on to tell his daddy what he had in his heart and what he wanted to do. And finally, after six years, his daddy released him to do his thing, and he excelled. Proverbs 14 and 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. Oh, many a dream has died in man's heart because he chose the path of least resistance. Uh, Listen, friend, there is no duller life than the life led to please somebody else besides you. Number six this morning, become a specialist. That's my advice to you this morning, become a specialist. Soar with your strengths. You see, nobody can do everything well, but everybody can do something well. So discover whatever it is that is your natural God-given talent and ability, that, that God has placed in your life. It's not there just because. It's there for a purpose and a reason. It is there to help guide you in your life. So discover your natural God-given talent and ability and then, and then develop it until you are an expert in this one thing. You can't do a lot of things well, but you can do one thing better than just about anybody else. The Chinese proverb says, he who chases two rabbits catches neither. And Paul said in Philippians 3 and 13, this one thing that I do. I'm told that lion tamers always take a four-legged stool with them when they step into the lion's cage and they hold that that, uh, four-legged stool in front of the lion's face. They do this because they have learned that the lion will try and focus on all four legs of the stool at the same time and it actually paralyzes them. You see, divided focus always works against you. Find your God-given strength and then focus on it uh, oh, and develop it. Amen. And it will become a tremendous blessing to you. I love that old story of the factory that shut down. And here's this factory shut down and nobody can seem to fix it. And, and it's millions of dollars that they, are, that they are losing because the factory is shut down. Finally, they call in a specialist. The specialist comes and he looks it all over, takes a couple of hours and looks it all over. And finally, he turns one valve and the factory is up and running again. He writes out his bill, $10,000. The man said, $10,000 for turning one valve? Oh, no. I charged you a dollar for turning the valve. Anybody can turn the valve. $9,999 for knowing which valve to turn. If you'll become a specialist 
Amen. If you will develop your God-given talent and ability, amen, if you'll become better at one thing than anybody else, you'll become in demand, and it'll bless you throughout your entire life. Number seven this morning, be willing to take a risk. Be willing to take a risk. Now, David conquered Goliath because he was willing to take a risk. And Moses led three million Israelites out of Egyptian bondage because he was willing to take a risk. And Elijah called down fire out of heaven and proved the power of God because he was willing to take a risk. Peter walked on the water while the eleven disciples sat in the boat and sucked their thumb because he was willing to take a risk. And I want to tell you this morning personally, my greatest accomplishments and the greatest fulfillment in my life has come to me because I was willing to take a risk. I have gone some places that nobody else would go. I have tried some things that nobody else was willing to try. Hey man, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm simply telling you that the greatest fulfillment of my life came about because I was willing to do what everybody else wasn't willing to do. I was willing to take a risk and I was rewarded for it. Be willing to take a risk. Be willing to step out of the boat when everybody else is saying, better not. Amen. Be, you know, when the whole herd is running this way, you'll probably succeed if you'll run that way. Amen. Amen. Sheldon Cop said, our greatest battles that we fight are the battles that we fight on the inside of. He said, courage is not the absence of fear. He said, courage is when you are willing to do what you're afraid of doing. I'll never forget when I went to uh, Midland, Texas and pioneered Harvest Time Church. I was scared to death. I didn't know what I was doing. They didn't have boot camps like they have today and manuals and, you know, and training and all of this stuff. It was just... Be warmed and fed. Bless you, brother. We'll be praying for you. We're behind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see your binoculars way back there. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't trained or schooled or, or, or any of those things. I, I, I was scared to death. But it turned out to be ten of the most fulfilling years of my life up until then. Of course, I'm even happier now. But coming, to, coming here wasn't no Sunday school picnic, I'll tell you. <laughs> British theologian John Henry Newman said, The same amount of fear is experienced by those who don't take risk in life as those who do. He said, The only difference is that those who don't take chances worry about little bitty trivial things. He said, If you're going to have to overcome your fear anyway, you might as well make it count. Be willing to take a risk. Be willing to get up out of the boat when everybody else is sitting there in the comfort. Be willing to go against the flow. Be willing, amen, to take a calculated risk, amen. In the name of Jesus, with His help and His grace, I'm going to tell you, He can help you do some things that others cannot, uh, will not accomplish and you will have the fulfillment that you wouldn't have any other way. Amen. Number eight this morning. Ten things they didn't tell you in school. Number eight, you should never graduate. Did they ever tell you that in school? You should never graduate. It'll be okay, just hang in there now. 
I'm in a hole, but I got a ladder. <laughs> you see, just because you have a degree, don't look at your degree as the ultimate. It's really just the beginning. Hall of Fame basketball coach John Wooden said, he said, it's what you learn after you know it all that really matters. <laughs> Be a lifelong learner. And I've taught this before, but there are two ways to learn. Number one, by trial and error. You know, three steps forward and two steps back. But if you learn everything by experience, if you learn everything by trial and error, you're going to be a bloody mess. The second way of learning is through the experience of others. Learn to borrow wisdom from others. Learn from somebody else's success and somebody else's failure. Now, I'm the baby of the family. How many babies of the family do we have here today? Come on, yeah. <laughs> I'm the baby of the family. Oh, oh, you know, as the baby of the family, we learn from the mistakes of our older brothers and sisters. We watch them and we watched our parents practice. And they practiced on the older ones. That's why they did such a better job with us. We watched them and we learned from our older siblings what to do and what not to do and what sure not to do. That's why we turned out the best. And all of the non-babies said, boo. Our text said, give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wise or teach a wise man. And he will increase in Learning, you see, a true wise man never graduates. He never gets to the place where he thinks he knows it all. He is ever striving to learn more. I was always impressed with my district superintendent in West Texas, Brother Slayton. He's one of my mentors way back, about 30 years ago. I was at Pampa at Calvary. He was at First Assembly in, in uh Amarillo at the time, he had a large, the largest church in the district at the time, and I didn't, and I was a young man, and I would go by and see him, and sometimes have lunch with him, and talk to him, and get advice from him, and, and all of those things, but one of the things I was, and still am, impressed with him, he's the district superintendent, he's the big cheese, the boss, the head honcho, <laughs> he's in his 70s now, been in the ministry for 50 years. These people right here can attest to what I'm fixing to say. Yet at district meetings, Brother Slayton will sit on that first seat right there. He'll sit on the front row and take notes on whoever it is that's preaching. He's preached for 50 years. He's the district superintendent. He, he has piles and piles and piles of notes. He's got thousands of sermons that he's preached in his ministry. And yet, he sits on the front row and takes notes when somebody else is preaching. He's still looking for even just a little bitty nugget of truth that perhaps he has missed. Something that maybe he hasn't said before. He's still looking. He's still learning. Number nine this morning. We're getting close, huh? But I'm really just trying to get to number ten. <laughs> number nine this morning. Not everyone who does well in school does well in life. And not everyone who fails in school fails in life. 
Did you know 50% of all CEOs of Fortune 500 companies had C or C minus averages in college? Are you aware that nearly 75% of all U.S. presidents were in the bottom half of their class in school? I don't have a hard time with some of them. I believe in that, but... What am I saying? Am I saying that school is not important? Oh, I already covered that, right? Am I saying school is not important? Am I, am I giving you a license to skip college? Am I giving you a license to drop out? Am I giving you a license to barely get through? Absolutely not. What I'm saying is, even if you didn't make magna cum laude, Even if you didn't even get a degree, there is still hope for you. And through passion, through determination, through hard work, most of all through discovering your God-given talent and ability and developing, developing it to the max, you can excel in life. And the flip side of this is just because you did make magna cum laude, just because you graduated at the top of your class, that in and of itself does not automatically guarantee you success in life. Because not everyone who does well in school does well in life, and not everyone who fails in school fails in life. I love the old story of the, of the janitor at school. Just barely making it, barely getting by on a monthly salary. But someone discovered that he didn't graduate from high school. Well, it was in their rules that everyone that worked for the school had to have a high school diploma. So although he did good work, they had to fire him because he had no high school diploma. So now he has no job. He's barely getting by anyway. So he goes out and starts... Beating the bushes and knocking on doors. He goes around trying to find him some places to clean, some cleaning jobs. And, and, and he starts being successful. And, and all of a sudden, he's got so much work and so many cleaning jobs, he can't do it all by himself. So he has to hire somebody to help him and buy another truck. And his business keeps growing. And so all of a sudden now he's got five employees and five, buys five new trucks. And, and he keeps growing. And now all of a sudden he has to buy ten uh, new trucks and hire ten employees. And, and man, he's just doing well. And one day one of his friends said to him, said, man, it's awesome. It's incredible. Look what you have done. You have built a business from nothing till now. It is a million dollar business. And you did that and you don't even have a high school diploma. He said, can you imagine where you'd be today if you just had a high school diploma? He said, where would I be today? He said, I'd be back there at the school, amen, being the janitor on a monthly income. Again, I'm not promoting dropping out of school. I'm not, a, uh, I'm not uh, promoting that, uh, that, that we be slothful uh, and be content with mediocrity. But the fact remains, not everyone that does well in school does well in life. And not everyone who fails in school fails in life. You may have failed in school, but I'm telling you, you can still succeed in life. Apply yourself, work hard, develop your God-given talents and abilities, become a specialist, become better at something than just about anybody else, and you'll See yourself go to the top. You see, it's what we do or fail to do after we graduate that matters most. Ten things they didn't teach you in school. Number ten. 
Turn to your neighbor with a big smile and say, Ten. But you know me. Ten has five subpoints. <laughs> Number ten. Attitude is more important than aptitude. Attitude is more important than aptitude. In the book Emotional Intelligence, it says that after an intense study of successful people, 15%, 15% of success was attributed to training, to education, and to brains. 15%. On the other hand, 85% was attributed to attitude. Somebody said attitude determines altitude. How high a person goes in life is going to be determined not by aptitude, but by attitude. So let me suggest five attributes of a good attitude this morning. Five attributes of a good attitude. Number one is patience. Help me understand nothing worthwhile ever was ever accomplished in a day. Nearly 20 years ago now, I made two new commitments in my in my life and in my ministry. One of them, I, I committed to love people like I never loved people in my entire ministry. I've always loved people, but I'd made a new commitment that above anything else, I was going to love people. The second commitment that I made nearly 20 years ago, I committed myself to do something every single day toward the fulfillment of my life dream. That every single day of the year, I'm going to do something to contribute toward my life dream. Now it might be a great big thing one day and a little bitty thing the next day. But every single day I would do something towards the fulfillment of my dream. Somebody said life is hard by the yard but, uh, by, but it's a cinch inch by inch. Hebrews 10 and 36 says for you have need of patience. Oh that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise. Second attribute of a good attitude is a peaceful spirit. Peaceful spirit. Theodore Roosevelt said the number one most important ingredient to success is the ability to get along with others. Theodore Roosevelt said there's nothing more important. There's no other ingredient to success that is more important than just knowing how to get along with people. Just think for a moment of all the sports figures that had incredible talent. They should have become superstars. Oh, but their inability to get along with their teammates. Oh, oh, because they were always fussing with their coaches. Because they always had a bad attitude. It drastically reduced their effectiveness. T.O. would be one man. Go back a long ways. I'll date myself. But there was a baseball player by the name of Richie Allen. Richie Allen was said to be the next Babe Ruth. He was to be a better baseball player and a better hitter than any other hitter in all of baseball. Potentially one of baseball's greatest of all time. But because of a bad attitude, because he had a chip on his shoulder, because he couldn't get along with his teammates, because he wouldn't do what the coaches told him, because he fussed with management. He still did a lot, but he never came close to reaching his full potential. I've known pastors 
Pastors, oh, oh, they could draw a crowd. They, do a, draw, they would draw a crowd everywhere they went with their, their charisma. Over and over and over again, they would take a struggling church. And in a few months or a year or so, they would build that up. And then it would be record-breaking attendance only, only to see it go back down as fast as it was built up because they could not get along with people. James 3, verse 17 and 18, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, but it is also peaceful, loving, peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others, full of mercy and good deeds. Oh, it shows no favoritism, always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. The third is passion. Passion. John Maxwell says, a leader with great passion and few skills. A leader with great passion but few skills, he says, will always outperform a leader with great ability and little passion. He also said it's impossible to start a fire in somebody else unless there is one burning in you. So here's my advice to you today. Discover what it is you are passionate about and then plan your life's work around it. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might or do it with passion. Number four, positive outlook. A positive outlook. Remember this morning, success comes in cans. Success comes in cans. Can't never did anything. Can't is a four-letter word. Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You say, but pastor, how in the world can we remain positive in such a negative world? Three things. Number one, saturate your mind with positive thoughts. If you're going to remain positive in a negative world, saturate your mind with positive thoughts. Philippians 4 and 8, whatever things are true, just, noble, pure, lovely, of good report, think on these things or fill your mind with these kinds of things. How do you remain positive in a negative world? Saturate your mind with positive thoughts. Number two, surround yourself with positive people. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33 says that bad company corrupts good character. A man entered his donkey into the Kentucky Derby. He said, I don't expect him to win. But he said, I'm just hoping the association will do him some good. How do you remain positive in a negative world? Saturate your mind with positive thoughts. Surround yourself with positive people. And then speak positive, faith-filled words. Ephesians 4 and 29, Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. The fifth attribute of a good attitude is persistence. You see, anybody can maintain A good attitude for a little while. The true test is persistence. Can you maintain it? I'm told that in the Kentucky Derby, the winning horse runs out of oxygen after the first half mile. He runs the rest of the race totally on heart. And Michael Jordan said, heart is what separates the good players 
from the great. It's not ability, but it's heart. It's determination. It's persistence. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 4 and 7, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept. I kept the faith. Amen. If we could have our musicians and singers back this morning. I've entitled this little lesson or sermon or whatever you want to call it today, 10 Things They Didn't Teach You in School. I could have said a whole lot of other things this morning. And and I, I know I certainly could have sounded more spiritual this morning. But I chose to be more practical today and try and help you. Much of what I could have said this morning goes without saying anyway. Like, you know, live for God and go to church and read your Bible and Select a godly mate that shares your values and pray for wisdom before making any major decision. Those are things I could have said and talked about this morning, but those things go without saying. We talk about those things all the time. As I said earlier, we've got 10 or 11 graduating either from college or high school. And I don't even know if there's even one of them in this service. They're in the second service maybe, but this lesson is not just for them this morning. It's for all of us and every one of us can glean from the things that we've said this morning. But wouldn't it be something? I've got an older gentleman in the church that constantly tells me, I wish I could have heard some of this stuff when I was a young person. If only I could have heard some of this stuff when I was a young parent. When I was a young, when I was in my, you know, uh, earlier years. Can you imagine what life could be like if the young people would listen and hear to the Word of God and make application of the things that we've talked about and other things today. Father, we love you today. We praise you today. Lord, you're an awesome and incredible God today. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that you'll help us today. Not only, Lord, those that have graduated from high school, not only those that have graduated from college today, but all of us, every one of us from the youngest to the oldest today can glean from the Word of God and can glean from the principles and some of the things that we have said today. Help us, O God, not just simply to be a hearer of your word, but I pray today that we will make application of the word of God. Put the word of God into effect in our life and see a drastic change take place because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.